Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds on KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Cleansing and Protection Magic. Also, Damien Keller, binaural production engineer, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great. And also, monthly co-host, Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. And if you are interested in becoming a contributor to the show, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find a bunch of information there. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Dr. Richard Miller, and I am assisted with, or joined by, co-host, Jared Murphy. Thanks, guys, for coming on today. <laughs> Thanks for having us. And of course, uh, we've, we have, for everyone listening, the all the incredible info that we just talked about before we hit record. <laughs> well, you missed it. <laughs> uh, Richard, uh, for me, this is a first. For Gary and you, you guys are becoming uh, old hat at this. For me, I'm super excited to talk to you. And it's been, uh, you know, I've, I've had a lifetime of interest from uh, reading starting with Schrodinger's Cat when I was 17 to, uh, you know, I, w- I played the violin seriously until I was 21. And I was into sounds and frequencies and self-experimentation. And I've been, um, you know, doing research for years. And I practice Wim Hof. And, and so I'm familiar with uh, brain entrainments and uh, uh, altered states that don't, don't involve uh, medical enhancements but at the same time uh uh i've written in in my books you know part of it was discussing something we were talking about off air so i'm i'm going to jump to right to something that we were just talking about because i i did get to interview dr uh jerry pollock and we were talking about the fourth phase of water and his work with his new uh well with his uh laboratory and his organization outside of the university but you um have started writing uh, something new that will be coming out. And one of the things that we dived into before the show started was uh, different states of water and specifically where we're going to jump right into for everyone. This is going to go deep fast. (laughs) You were talking specifically about the strange characteristics of the, the bonding and the, and, and, and the the molecular structure of water and what's odd about it. And, and Jerry, uh, you know, Dr. Pollock talks about the, uh, you know, the fourth phase of water in living tissue. Uh, Victor Schauberger observed very weird phenomena with water. Uh, warm water freezes harder than cold water. You know, the Wim Hof, the controlling your, your, you know, there's the human organic interactions with how we can change even the Dr. Emoto's work. So there's a lot of different ideas about how water stores memory and how uh, it relates to consciousness and the the bio i know that was part of what we talked about before the show started i'm trying to catch everyone up part of it is about the biotechnologies and are they from ancient advanced humans that already got us beyond where we are now but either way 
I think the observations can be made about our past because they're not telling us. We don't know what aliens are, but we do have these various things around us, which first and foremost is water. It's in us, it's around us. And what what is that you've observed that we were just talking about? What What is so sure, odd sure, about sure. water? Well, first and foremost, water has two forms of para and ortho water. Levorotary, you know, the dipole is going in this direction or it's going in that direction. Para and ortho water. Okay, H2O has got a dipole to it. Which way does it go? Does it go to the right or does it go to the left? And the correct answer is yes. There's two forms of water right out of the gate. Then you have isotopes, you know, deuterium and tritium. The most people don't realize that deuterium is quite prevalent in the ocean. In fact, that's where they mine it is between uh, Australia and uh, uh, Antarctica. That whole section of the ocean is mostly deuterium. Uh, tritium is uh, uh, more unstable and doesn't last, but you know, microseconds in terms of its lifting. Then you have bonding water, clustered water, which Old Man Willard and others talked about Willard water at these with H3O7 with a free radical ion. That means three clustered waters. That's what you'll find near a waterfall. You feel okay. good about it because of that negative ion that's there to activate the oxygen in your body. <coughs> then you talk about structured water. Structured water is H3O2. It is another form of water with an extra, it's, it's basically hydrogen peroxide with an extra hydrogen molecule and because of that form when it touches anything it has a memory it knows what it's touching if it touches plastic there's no uh concave upward you know no uh uh what, what do you call that uh, uh, uh it's a what's that called a, a kind of uh I can't think of the name of it. It's, it has to do with your, uh, like if it's touching tellurium, for example, that water, that's where Jerry first discovered it. What it'll do is it touches the water and more of the H3O2 comes and starts touching it and it'll go right up the, oh, surface tension. Uh, surface tension of the water will form, it, it's different for different products like plastic, you don't see anything. If you have metal, there's a nice little surface tension to that. If it's tellurium, it'll run right up the water. It is what the leading edge of a wave is mostly formed when it touches air. And it, because of that, it moves faster. And that memory is one million times, that's six zeros more efficient than gallium and arsenic when you take your forbidden zone and you touch gallium with arsenic and you form gallium arsenide, which is your computer chip for memory. Now, at the moment of death, this is in chapter seven of my non-local mind. At the moment of death, there is a five gram weight loss in everyone. It's not urine. What is it? And I'm suggesting it's structured water inside a microtubule in what you would call chi, just outside the physical body. And 
five grams of structured water is enough memory as a metaphor now for 100,000 lifetimes. That's super yeah, interesting. That might, yeah, it's interesting. Well, we don't know what we're... You see, man's ability to conceptualize is limited. We, we simply, like, the way I would do it to you is physics starts with assumed truths. The shortest distance between two points and the Earth's round. But if space is curved, I can prove it's flat using special tensor math. Now, which one is it? Is it round or flat? And the correct answer is yes, because that's how limited our construct, our concept of space is. And time is even space and time. That's why quantum mechanics led to uncertainty principles. The more you know about one thing, the less you know about something else. That was Heisenberg. And when you started talking about Schrodinger's cat, and you start talking about the newer concepts of the multiverse, now we're talking about not Schrodinger's cat, but the best little cat house in Texas. And yeah, are you are you familiar with um, Ken Wheeler's work on magnetism? <clears throat> yes. I, I mean, yeah. I, I, how do you feel about the idea of the model of the atom changing to where it is currently in this toroidal field shape? And not, I don't want to switch off of water, but part of it is about magnetism and the concept of what well, the way we look at water, I think it ties as far as, like you said, the collective con there's a collective human consciousness. There's that Aurora immediately around you. And that's been proven like through Carillion real true. Well, Carillion I did Carillion photography. I, that's what got me in, in 1970. I, a Stan Krippner had me present the physical mechanisms of Carillion photography. The real oh, that's fascinating. <clears throat> the real, well, it's a secondary emission of electrons, but that led to the MRI studies at Washington State University. And so um, the Carillion concept is a nice idea, but when you have operative <clears throat> glands radiating sweat or odiferous molecules, um, and what you do is ionize them, the whole idea was to try to determine whether or not we could do an electrostatic field around somebody's body and determine what's going on inside the body by the electrostatic fields and the ionization process. That was Simon Carillion. He was incorrect, but it led to the MRI and that concept of, a, of nuclear magnetic resonance and, you know, using the magnetic fields in the body. However, there is something more going on here, and really, it's not about our physics or magnetism and electricity. The only law that has lasted longer than 20 years is Maxwell's right-hand rule of thumb. And, you know, electric to magnetic fields, the relationship of those two. And beyond that, I'm not sure what an electric field actually represents when you talk about Tesla over someone like Schomburger and the way he would deal, or Rustam Roy, who did, you know, at Penn State. There's the, the problem, the problem is physics isn't going to get you there any more than religion, your two brains. You're basically, <clears throat> what that does is gives you the concept of choice, which made you God's favorite. And really, where it's about is the mind's eye, where 
imagination becomes reality. Basically, consciousness as we understand it right now, this is a shared dream. We're not awake. This is not, I mean, we're, I mean, this is not real. And it's like that movie, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, where the woman comes out on stage in the opening salvo of opening that movie and she sings, anything goes. Anything you could possibly imagine in your mind's eye is not only real, it's even more than that. And that is less than halfway to God. Man is not the dominant species. For example, orca has access to nine-tenths of the biosphere, where man only has one-tenth access. Who's superior? And then I would say yeah. to you, how many ants are on your property? And who's terraforming it more? And when you start to realize, to look at things from a different perspective, you realize man is in a, a hierarchy of food chain, where Bob Dylan sang it best. Everybody's <laughs> got to serve somebody. You're I like your... to say, Richard, that we're in safe mode, like a crappy computer that can only get to safe mode. That's like... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good analogy. The metaphor is, if I'm right, what we're going to discover is there will never be a theory of everything. You can't get there from here. Simon says you can go halfway to the door. That protocol will get you close. But by definition, you can't get there because you start with assumed truths and definitions. And man is limited in his ability to conceptualize. And so, once you well, get so that, do you think water is a binding agent to that consciousness or memory or mimicking? Is it is it is it a transport and simultaneously uh, element, in a past time yeah, period? Yeah. Do you think that each we element is connect? unique? Water is the first molecule that has a dipole moment or dimensional gate to it. You know, hydrogen and oxygen. The first one, number one, and number six, and it has a dipole moment to it. Helium does not. Water does, and as you move out into the periodic chart, you will find more complexity, like with carbon, you know, where it has a monosheet that's C60 and C120 molecules that can bond with each other to form monoatomic filaments. So there's, we're just beginning. It isn't about water. That's the hot one for the moment. And next year, no. there'll be. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to ask you: Are you familiar with now? They're now they're they've at least you know with all the nanotechnology going on, they've now been able to get uh, bio switching down within DNA to act as transistors for memory storage. And I'm just wondering if they're if they've got to the point where I know Harvard put a fifty thousand word book on uh, RNA on DNA, and that was two thousand eight. And that's what was public. That was what was known. And now we're up to about four, two and a half to four terabytes of information on a gram of DNA. Do you, has there been in your experience or your knowledge base that you can talk about any prior exploration that some of these junk genes, whether it's in us or other natural environments, are actually stored um, uh, zip files of the past? You or, know, my background in physics is such that I'm writing right now a technical paper on the proton cloud. 
That's the space between when a proton is a particle and when it becomes a wave. That's where you find the multiverse. The primary authors in mathematics, I'm a polymath, so that's why the military always used me. When I was, when I was 15, I was writing code, you know. So um, basically, Kaufman's math, virtual knot theory, is tying strings into knots and just in the year, oh, shoot, what was back in the 1800s, we had over 20 million different kinds of knots. And when you realize the diversity of taking strings and then tying them into different formats where some of them tie down into singularities and some become, I don't know, your son. You know, like if time isn't real, that was one of the things I challenged you with. If time isn't real, it's a duration of consciousness. We really don't know what time is. If, if time isn't real, what does that make your child? Right. And if that's a younger version of you, that's way intelligent, and it is. You know, a child before it's four years old is brilliant. Uh, why would you want to send that child through an educational process to become you? So the theoretical between the particle and the wave, is it possible that in the multiverse there there's only one side that's wave and one side that's particle? Or do you think particle and wave is a state that is in it's either It's the same verse? thing. It's man's inability to conceptualize in grasping the one from the other. And what that's going to do, it's going to be called psionic field theory, PSI, psionic field theory. And basically... It will supersede the holographic systems like the holographic systems superseded quantum mechanics. When I took quantum mechanics in school, it was called the new physics. It was new physics and uh, had to do with, uh, you know, atoms and their relationship to electrons. And then we got into quantum mechanics where we had uncertainty principle uh, the, you know, the more you know about one thing, the less you know about something else. That is when you take and digitize something from an analog into a digital. You lose information. And in the holographic system, they're doing the same thing because the math that's used in holographic systems are, uh, are fractals which are generators, Mendelbrot, Julia, May. They're discrete generators that generate themselves into or out of themselves like information in the way information folds down into or out of itself. However, information isn't what you think it is because the basic theorem in information theory now states, if you have enough information to ask a coherent question, you have enough information to answer it. The answer lies in the structure of the question itself. Now that's information in its limited form of going in a quantized state. And so now we need to go jumping from string theory, which had 10 strings and an interconnecting 11th dimension. And now we're gonna start tying knots in them and all the different forms that can happen. And now we, what we have is a multiverse of possibilities where 
the in one of in one of my chapters I talk about the reflected universe. They say that when the Big Bang occurred, a second universe was created in the opposite direction. It has to do with time and and the way of expansion. And Roger Penrose, one of my teachers, wrote the geometric universe. And what I have superseded that with the dodecahedral universe. In other words, it has a specific geometry in the way it expands itself outward. And if the reflected universe has, it exists, and there's a bunch of different models now on how that works, and I discuss them all in my new book, but, but if any of those are true, it means there's a duplicate of you somewhere in another universe, but in that universe, instead of going in this direction, you went in that direction. And that's where the quantitative forms of choice occurs and the diversity of possibilities. Do you know how many super, choices you've super made interesting. today? Do, Richard, do you think the Big Bang still holds remote grounds with all the new info that scientists have? I mean, do you think the Big Bang's ready to kind of go the way of our theory of out of Africa? I don't know. Um, it has usefulness in trying to visualize what's yeah. going on, and yet it's limited. And when it becomes limited, and we want to go, we have conflicting information like what Max Rumpel did with his proton cloud. He made this breakthrough where he proved that neurotransmitters are resonant cavity oscillators. That means they're dialoguing hierarchy, just like the gut does. Do you think the model between the particle and the uh, wave model of an atom? What do what do you think a more what do you think a more accurate model of the? I mean, should the mo should the atom be continued to be looked at as particles, or or is it more of a toroidal? Is that are we moving more towards? The correct answer is yes. <laughs> Either way, because when you look at it this way, then the Earth's flat, and when you look at it that way, it's round. Now, what you have is the possibilities of all the laws that would associate with a flat universe or a round one. And right. what you do now is use that as a tool to determine what you want to do with your universe. What do you think it affects consciously at beings within a universe? Do you think you can actually switch between thinking particularly versus wave? I mean, do you think it changes or manipulates not only your own existence or others? Well, or... each one gives you a different solution. And what you should do, should do, is use that option as a tool to create the universe you want, because that's what you're capable of doing. Anything you could imagine God could do, you are personally capable of doing in this lifetime, if you used your full potential, and even more. And guess what? That's even less than halfway to God. You could have immortality now. In fact, you actually do have immortality because that's what death is, is waking up. Have you, in, in uh, your other experimenting associates, have you seen any, some direct... Uh... Uh, conscious control of that level. Of that oh, level. yeah. There's yeah. a man does not have free will. Free will would presume full disclosure. 
We don't have full disclosure. We have no idea who's above us or what's above us. Could be cetacean. There are four mammals that have, in my humble opinion, have higher technology than man does. I was the physicist they sent into John Lilly's labs to determine the language of the dolphin. And right. I was wrong. I, you know, when I was in there 10 days and I came out and I said, well, wow, their redundancy coefficient is more efficient than even old Hebrew. And, you know, they, it's a form of, of dimensional math or what we call or, uh, Clifford algebra. And the, the it, turns out it, it turns out I was wrong. The language, okay. the dolphin don't have a language. They're sending pictures. Well, that's fascinating. Yeah, imagine that. And they're lower on the food chain than orca. And then you have the pilot whale and the manatee, all four of which have bigger brain cases than men. And they're firing it. I have seen an elephant in Cambodia, smaller brain case than men, paint itself with an awareness of self that we man doesn't even have, painting itself in the way others would see it. Dogs, our fascination with the dog is that it's closer to spirit. That means I feed it bacon. It thinks with its gut. When you come from that place of instinct, you by definition do not make mistakes. And the brain can be seen as a higher gut dialoguing with subtle bodies outside the physical. How many of them are there? It's like Quantizing. Larry said there are eight neurologic circuits. He broke it down in date. There he is, breaking it down from marijuana up into ketamine. But the bottom line is there's a hierarchy of neurotransmitters, which means it's more like analog. And each one is doing something different outside the physical body. Of those switches, do you see anything directly connecting in nature to the human switching? So of that human switching, do you, do you see, I see what I don't want to do is automatically go to, uh, you know, mind control. But what I do want to uh, do. Well, well, it's a given. That's what they tried to do right. with synthetic telepathy. But, but, <laughs> but the reason, the, the reason I'm bringing it up is just because of all the work that's finally being done on the nano level where they keep, they're starting to acknowledge like vibrational medicine by Dr. Gerber, right? The, uh, yeah observing orthopedic surgeons observing at points of amputation negative uh actual cellular level switching you know nano switching of uh, though they're describing uh biological processes more and more as what appears to be more like engineered uh, machines and they're yeah. i think the 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 discrepancy we have in our mind we see machines as these external or an implant or uh we don't look at biotechnology I mean, we think of CRISPRs and, and, and bioengineering, but I'm, I'm wondering if the most advanced... Well, that spike protein has me concerned. And I don't know about mRNA, but I can tell you that this new vaccine that's being out, the one by Johnson & Johnson, is making a different kind of human being. And what right, they're programming, is happening right? is the two of them can't have interface with each other because one's a carrier. Right, they're they're switching. They're actually uh, affecting RNA. They're actually yeah. programming RNA. Now, if you don't, and that's what man's doing. What do you think an alien is doing? Can well, you imagine right. being in England in the 1800s, and you and I are having this conversation in this 
this farmer is watching us right now. What do you think he'd think about that? How oh, we're witchcraft, total witchcraft. <laughs> yeah, breaker, breaker, one seven. Come on, you know, yeah. telepathy. How does yeah. that work? Well, of the animals that you listed, of the orca, of the of the manatee, of the of the animals you're listing, are there corresponding plant life or funguses or like we've discovered the largest organism on earth isn't Pando the tree? Okay, it's, you could say that Michael Razia is the gut of Earth, and that the mycelium is its nervous system. And there is a, a forester up at the University of British Columbia that's talking about the mother tray that will send out a notice to the forest. Of oh yeah, Italian. Dr. Susan, um, I'm blanking on her last name right now. And I wrote yeah, about her. <laughs> but she, she talks about it communicating using mycelium to communicate in advance like a crystal with what we call a precursor wave that when an event occurs at one part of the crystal, the entire crystal knows before the event occurs. That's be, you know, faster than time. That's called an event horizon. And that led to the work I did for my masters at Delaware on uh, uh, liquid crystals and, and the different kinds of excitation emission to VK center luminescence in the nanoregion. They give off light, bioluminescence, in nanometer, uh, in nanoseconds. And I had to use a sampling scope just on my masters that Tektronics uh, invented because the rise time in electronics that we have is 10 to the minus 6. And I had to do accuracies in 10 to the minus 9 to determine the distinction between an excitation emission and VK center luminescence or a, a lattice defect. And when that occurs in the lattice, the entire crystal knows that before it happens. That's called a precursor wave. And it sets up in a boundary thing, kind of like structured water does when it touches air on a wave. And by the way, the waveform that you see, the curvature of the wave and the way it forms, is an actual form of cold fusion in reality because it, that is a quark gluon plasma that's now being studied by Mark LeClaire at MIT. The is that happening? The of a wave is, yeah, is that happening? cold fusion. That, that's happening right now. He's, he's yeah. experimenting. Well, that's so interesting because I, I was very fascinated by Johnny Chong and that Qigong, and you mentioned it before the show, that the idea of, you know, how is he starting fire? Uh, how is he directing the Qi energy? And one of the observational start, points. Yeah, start with May Wenho. She's the one that got Pollock started. She's a Chinese lady that wrote The Rainbow and the Worm. And the worm and its ability to change color is a demonstration of exactly what you're asking. May Wenho, The Rainbow and the Worm. And yeah, her and, work is. And, yeah. The paper was about just mitochondrial level nuclear cold fusion happening at the cellular level. Right. That's where ATP, adenosine triphosphate, is a quark gluon plasma that when you hit it with oxygen, like uh, polysaccharide from mushrooms, uh, now you, your immune system, you don't get sick by definition. Does this happen to correspond not only now in living or in in humans or in creatures, but well, like I, uh, I think that I think everything is conscious 
with certain reservations and how we would define consciousness. Gaia has what Terence McKenna called zero-point energy, what is called the Shabbat, S-H-A-B-D, the sound current, the voice at the end of the rainbow. And it's uh, something, it's written about in Voice of the Silence in your appendages. It's something that you hear in the right ear. You can hear, it's like a hum. And as you get older, like me, I'm hearing it more frequently. And it is, it just, it's, it's probably my hearing is going, you know, I'm an old man, who knows. Uh, but I can tell you that there's more going on here than we have even begun to conceptualize. We haven't right. even begun on, on CRISPR forms of, you know, rewriting gene, gene, gene plasma. I think that, I don't know what I'm going to say here. I, I, what I want to say is we are limited by the mind's eye. And that's where the child, when it first comes into the universe, is activated. And our right. whole educational process is oriented toward making one size fit all. Do you, and, do you think, well, do you think those crystals, I, I have a question for you on crystals, because it seems odd to me. Some, some crystals, it just, it doesn't, it, I, I'm wondering if you've observed that some of the crystals we're finding in situ naturally are really not natural. I mean, well, it, it, there's four, the Bravis lattices. There are 14 ways. This was uh, Pythagoras, believe it or not. In solid state physics, there are 14 ways matter can bond with itself, and that determines what kind of crystal it is. And these are Bravis lattices. And each one has resonance in its geometry yeah. that, you know, precedes itself and, ex, you know, expands outward or inward. And I think that that's why one of the reasons I studied solid state physics was because I got into resonant cavity oscillators. And it's my opinion that the DNA is sets up a, I don't know, a, a, a bio, uh, by a hologram of, of who we were, who we are, and who we will become. It is like a hologram of which has n dimensions of information. Yeah. N minus one dimensions. It's the way information folds into or out of itself. That's fractal math. But yeah, again, like the, the it's Phantom limited. Project. Do you think then that the Schumann residence? Uh, from a vibrational standpoint, do you think that Mars, I know we talked about Mars off, off, off air, but do you think that humans really have a chance of living long-term or for lifetimes outside of the frequency that we currently resonate at? I mean, is that something? Well, I think I that consciousness in this force space is, is a dream. And I think that there is uh, a study called the Mars Project, comma, Warnicky correction. And the Warnicky correction is a part of the brain uh, near the reticular activating center that researchers have discovered that when they activate that part of the brain in any human being, every single race, including Chinese, African, all have a memory of having worked on Mars. 
That's why it's called the Mars Project and the Warnicke Correction. And you can check that out on the literature in research. It's unusually interesting. Now, we have to take into account the concept of archetype. You know, like there are 22 stories in the big city. Uh, you know, and each one, each of us, in my book on tarot that I'm writing, the Magical and Ritual Use of Metaphor, I work with Greek mythology, where, you know, Persephone at the Well of Souls, uh, or uh, Psyche at the Well of Souls, excuse me, or Persephone having to go to Hades once a year. Um, each story is archetypal, and each of us have either we're possessed, in which case we have one storyboard going on, or we're complexed, more than one. Most of us, like you or May, may have five or seven primary different storyboards going on. Your job is to identify which stories are going on from a metaphor point of view. Each one then has an ending. And if you don't like that ending, that's what pathworking is about, to change the story, moving it from one archetype to a different one. So I mean, how do you think uh, either genetic memory or uh, multi-generational stored memory falls into this? Do you think it's... more? Yeah, there's something else going on. We haven't even named it yet. And I, 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 I'll be for your kids. Well, my, you know, and I know I was fascinated by it. My theories abound to that we are actually each other's zip file backups. Like if we needed to restore an individual person at one point, we were able to do it. And then what happens is, is the zip file has now been spread across the collective consciousness right down to plants and the slivers of truths and reincarnation are really just lost science on the fact that we once had it worked out where if you had to restore a, an individual consciousness, it was easy because everything was backed up across across that outside of body magnetic field. Uh, collectively, we were able to. Yeah, that's in an area that I don't know very much about. Yeah. Interesting. Creating well, creating a storage method. It's wow. interesting to me that if you can activate a part of the brain and and know that you worked on Mars, there are people who activate you know memories. I think where they I joke that they always remember their Cleopatra and never build a the crap picker upper at the Roman zoo, you know, they always remember they were Cleopatra, but I'm wondering if we can reactivate some of these memories. And if we actually well, you can do hypnosis, hypnosis, you can go into past lives. My teacher, when I went through hypnotherapy, I became a hypnotherapist, took me into a future life. That was interesting. That's interesting. Do you think, I mean, scientifically, do you think future lives are really simultaneously happening? Well, how much is confabulation and how much of it is real? is all based on imagination. And if imagination is reality. Right. So do you think they're happening simultaneously or are they really in the future from that time concept? Do you think it's like? Simultaneous in the future is the same thing because time isn't real. It's a duration of consciousness. It's the way you organize memory. Right, so so, so for the. That's uh, St. Augustine and that's, uh, uh, you know, James Hillman, others, time is a duration of consciousness. That's Robert Ornstein. Others that have talked about time and how we experience it. One of the things I taught Navy SEALs when I was training SEALs was how to change their perception of time with breath control. <clears throat> what that did 
was allowed their their martial art become paranormal. Do you think structured water is is a memory backup or a memory transmitter? I don't know. Itself? I I know that there's five grams that isn't my soul per se, but goes back somewhere to the multiverse. I don't know where it goes, but that five grams of weight loss, not urine, has the storage capacity as a metaphor to store upward of 100,000 lifetimes of memory. So that's why they would say we're in a matrix. There are dream states that hold more content to reality, like lucid dreaming. What is dreaming? And there are different kinds of dream states. That's my mentor, Dr. Stanley Krippner, and his work at Maimonides Dream Labs and Dream Telepathy. He suggests that, you know, you're dialoguing with other parts of yourself in other universes during dream states, integrating them for this dream for when you wake up. Because death is not the end of life, it is the opposite of life. And if it's like a cavitation process, you know, into the out of. You have a drop of water, and when it hits a pool of water, it goes down into the water and goes poip and pops back up again. But when it pops back up, it is no longer a drop of water. What it is, is a bubble that has captured the medium in which it was falling air. And inside, that is a Taurus Twister universe like Penrose talks about, where it's a cavitation process going into the out of. So we've done, um, this is so, it's so fun. I got so many things to ask, but the, you know, the bridging, you know, the bridging. <laughs> I'm opening water. your mind to possibilities. That's what I want to do. Because yeah, so you're going to take my idea and go crazy with it and create a whole nother set of universes that are going to be wonderful. Well, then, do you think that structured water, you've seen the bridging effect of water. You, you've experimented with that, right? It's just yep. watching water bridge across two glasses or whatever. Does that mean at some way, depending on the technology, that water could do more than bridge and possibly create rooms or walls or roads? or? Well, it does on a dimensional level. I mean, it does already on a dimensional level. You already can see that, how it does that. Okay. And so then. all that that what when like when Rustam Roy, Rustam Roy is at Penn State, and what he did is he had a a, a, a jar of water, and he dropped a single, mm, uh, I don't know, uh, molecule of something. It could be anything, and it restructured the entire thing. They called that homeopathy, where you use a very a single substance entering in and what it does is it restructures the entire vessel of water the entire wow. that's how homeopathy conceptually works that was the work of rustam roy dr rustam roy penn state and he's the one that developed the whole concept of of structured water in terms of homeopathy and the way a single drop of, oh, I don't know, sulfur or whatever, just a single atom, atom of it, you drop it in water. And what happens is all the 
structured water, the H3O2, gathers around that and builds up layers and layers and layers to the point where you have 100,000 layers of it structuring, holding memory of what it's touching, and the entire glass gets restructured just from a single element dropping into the center of it. That's so interesting. It's Water is proving to be so bizarre. And it's it like will a, be our big discovery for this century. Next century, we'll probably go off with, I don't know, selenium. There's an interesting element. Not talking about carbon now and how interesting carbon is because it bonds to itself. Imagine what carbon and water do. What? Well, that's what we call life, isn't it? Oh. Right, yeah. But then there's arsenic and what it does with methane. It's not arsenic and Different lace. things to be studied in terms of what constitutes life. And right now, Gaia is our Earth, is the gut, the soil, the mycorrhizae, all the hierarchy of thrip, nematode, viruses, all the different things that are in the soil forming this gut and its nervous system is the mycelium, the mushroom. And look at how much the mushroom has affected us with psychedelic, gourmet, and pharmaceutical mushrooms now in our diet. There's way more going on here than just my little wrap on, you know, hierarchy and resonant cavity oscillators. Yeah. Something else is going on here. It seems to be a muting of uh, our actual full connectivity abilities. Yeah, and we're only limited by our imagination. Right. So, you know. <laughs> but, but it Go seems like, yeah, it seems like some of these companies have engineered it to be a uh, intentional muting. Well, there's a definite dumbing down, snuck, snuck kind of yeah. thing going on here. By the way. Yeah. It's pretty it, awful. You know, I, I, I saw a meme recently that said, don't don't credit to malice or evil to what more commonly is just human stupidity yeah. <laughs> is basically what it said, um, you know, because humans really, if they can help it, try not to think out too many details. But it's, jumping from one idea to the next yeah. is what metaphor is about. What is your metaphor? But to serve your paradox because going from one idea to the next in a logical conclusion is completely arbitrary well and in that self-manifestation world it do you feel that there is something to structured water and like the emoto model of or emotions just, you know being, being able to put emotions into the water absolutely yeah and then Yo johan grander's work are you familiar with him too yeah um, yeah. So I know considered a fraud by some and then are really awarded by science from the Russian Academy. But the idea of a, 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 a highly mineralized water versus a dead city sewer water. Uh, do you think there's something to that? I mean, do you have a personal? Well, Coriolis forces outside when you flush a toilet or you put water into the sink, it goes down counterclockwise which means that if you automatically start to stir in the northern hemisphere, if you stirred your water in a clockwise direction, you're restructuring it. 
you're bringing it back into true. Oh, that's so interesting. If you spin it clockwise, it automatically picks it back. Yeah, up. that's why when you put something in your coffee, you start clockwise, not counterclockwise. You're restructuring the water in the coffee. What if you are spinning it counterclockwise? Well, then you're then you're enhancing Coriolis forces, which are already causing it to spin in a counterclockwise direction already. In the southern hemisphere, it's just the opposite. So and that's why to make structured water, one of the things uses uh, you know these uh, spin uh, <clears throat> you know uh, round tables that will spin your water. Uh, for hours it takes usually to get it to restructure. But you just a little bit of believing that you're restructuring it and stirring it sets that water differently and it will metabolize differently in terms of going into the cell rather than into the urine. Just that simple process. That's so interesting. So even the concept behind uh, meditation or prayer. Oh, that's one of the reasons as saying the thing is, meditation is about training the mind because, and this is possibly the most important thing I can say tonight, man has a responsibility for the thoughts he chooses to entertain. What you think becomes real. And that's why if you're a conspiracist, you can count on it going bad. I mean, you're responsible and that's why all your saints in history have stressed the importance of meditation, training the mind. It's 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 super. Have you personally partaked in any of the meditation? I mean, I do the. I'm a satangi. I was initiated by Sharon Singh. I meditate every day since 1977. Have you tried different methods, or has it? Yeah, yeah. And there, all roads lead to Rome, and but yeah. you need a north star. To know what direction you're going right and so all roads like meditating all forms of meditation some resonate better with you than with me each of us is uniquely different we have different needs different belief systems those are all part of the training of the mind and that's one of the reasons why i talk about belief systems as tools in a toolbox they're not yeah. absolute you use them to go somewhere has your meditation method changed or peaked or spiked or changed in any way that has surprised you? I could not articulate, yes, but I couldn't tell you how because right. it, I don't have words for it. It's kind of like a joy, a siddha, uh, an inner knowledge, an inner knowing of what I'm doing is correct because when I meditate, I do two things. I Simran and then I Bhajan. Simran is where I try to wear my mind out by repetitive saying of certain words like Noho Ringi Kyo. That's not the words I use, but Noho Ringi Kyo, Noho Ringi Kyo. And then I stop and I Bhajan. I listen. And at some point, what happens is you hear a sound and you physically leave your body. It's different than astral projection. What Paul Twitchell and others called uh, Santmat, S-A-N-T-M-A-T, where you go home for a moment. My teacher wrote a book called 
die to live the little death meditation where it's not getting rid of the ego what you're actually doing is putting ego in its proper place in the bigger scheme of things you don't get rid of it because ego is a survival tool but you put it in retrospect to other things that are more important than survival and survival is just a physical plane thing there's other things going on and i i can't articulate what it's like to go home for a brief moment it's uh, such con that's what we call that it's uh, when i was taken into my future life i was it's interesting the experience i had instead of two of us like male and female there were three of us in a sex thing and <clears throat> we were in a geometry that was sliding into bigger geometry and going home. And that's what such con is for me, where there's my teacher, Sharon Singh, when he chose me for initiation, this is all in metaphor. He looked right. me straight in the eye and he said at the moment of my death that he personally would be there to take me across the abyss. And his first name was Sharon. Ding. <laughs> I, mean, I, I had to believe, wow, nobody's ever promised to take me further than that. And it's all in metaphor because I've had friends. I've studied with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and James Hillman. I've actually studied with them on near-death experiences. I spent a couple of weeks in the jungles with Eben Alexander and can tell you that I no longer have a fear of death that I, it is what makes a saint uniquely different than a human being is that a saint, for example, chooses the moment of their death. That's what distinguishes a saint from a normal human being. And I can tell you that there, I've met saints different levels of saints. I've smoked pot with Pirvalayat Khan. Um, I've been uh, on, on Orcas Island with uh, oh, uh, some theosophists that are very high spiritual. And there are different levels of sainthood. A sixth and seventh plane saint is one that has obviously come back to this nightmare to do Siva or serve men and um, they are like a Christ or something they are an image to follow as a you, you attempt to become like them in your in your belief systems and mannerisms and each of us is unique and that's what the purpose of life is is to discover that uniqueness and then to walk your talk and That's, good luck with that. You've made me think of a question, and then I'm going to shut up and let Gary say something because we're supposed to be co-hosting. But I have. <laughs> okay. um, I, so here's the question. Have you seen anything in physics that has contradicted, not only contradicted, but have you seen anything in physics that to this day is outside of uh, a spiritual, religious, and or a scientific 
is there something that deviates from everything you've observed in, in your experience of science that just stands out to you as an odd uh, a particle uh, equation, something in the physical world, history, uh, artifacts that you can speak of? Is there something that stands outside of that? Yeah, artifacts. I've seen them. There's no question. There's something else going on here besides humans. There's no question. What it is, I have no idea. No, but from so a, I can tell you that yeah. in the Tree of Life, which I, I, I I'm a Hermetic Kabbalist. I, I'm a, you know I practice magic, the art, changing consciousness at will. That's what I do. I'm the physicist that didn't blow himself up. And what I've discovered is that there's something beyond our God. You know, Kether on the Tree of Life is our God, and Above Kether are the veils of Isis, Ain, Ain Sof, and Ain Sof Ur. And Bob Dylan sang it best when he said, everybody's got to serve somebody. And in my biblical studies, I studied with Gershom Sholem for six years. And there's something, there are several gods in the Bible. For example, there's Yahweh. And then there is his boss, yad heh They're not the same. One is vengeful and wrathful and kind of like man in some ways. And so I find anomalies in physics because of the work I did in paranormal phenomena. I have watched a woman rip a car door off in a flaming automobile to save her daughter. Now that's impossible from a physics point of view because there is no way adrenaline is going to make the muscle and bone in her body stronger than steel. How could she do that? Yeah. That's the kind of question you're asking, I guess, where I say, yeah. I, I say, I don't have an answer to that. That's well, no, why you, I studied the paranormal. How do you yeah. isolate variables? You right. Know? There's so many, it's just that there are so many people prescribe or they relate to things to their family of origin story of what they've grown up with. And they relate to things spiritually or, or scientifically or both. But eventually after years of experience, you've observed, you know, all the realms and it's, it, it is a, it is almost an unfair general question, but I almost feel like there's like tipping points in uh, logic or tipping points in what was once maybe a younger spiritual belief or even one where you're practicing, but then there's a, a particle or a wave or uh, something standing out that says this seems to stand aside from either examples. And, and I was just, changes you. yeah. Changes and there's no, you. yeah. So I had no right answer for it. I, I wanted your, there is one. That's the, the yeah, idea. <laughs> yeah. And it's exactly your experience that I was hoping for you to answer it the way you did. So, Gary, your turn. Sorry. <laughs> it's nice working with you. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I'm going to come find you again if you'll let me talk to you longer. We could do this after you eat dinner some other day. If you are. What, what part of the world are you living in? I, I'm, I'm straight up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I knew Carl Wyshewski of Llewellyn in St. Paul. And I'm in Grand Pass, Oregon, the free state of Jefferson. If you come out, I'll take you through the redwoods to the Oregon beaches, and I'll show you some caves that the military run. 
to get out. Uh, we will have to schedule that because our next three books are are on Jennifer, Jen Deo and I are writing on astronomers, mariners, and miners, ancient Ooh. astronomers, mariners, and miners. So I would like to schedule that with you then. So I will have to get your info after we're off the show. <laughs> Gary, the time. <laughs> hmm? You go, Gary. Gary, go. Actually, you can keep going, man. I have a sore this throat. Is double teaming on me. <laughs> so, so that that um, uh, yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, you said something earlier. I wanted to thank you, Richard, for not not only not blowing yourself up, but I am concerned <laughs> for all particle physicists. Don't don't blow any of us up. So, thank you for doing that. <laughs> uh, yeah, That's, I know that song. <laughs> They're like, every time I hear about another something in the collider that we're like, we're going to mess with this particle we know nothing about. It's like, stop. Do you know oh, what God. that collider is all about at CERN? Basically, when Lockheed developed that teleportation laser, yeah, CERN was to create a rapid transit system to Fermilabs to move a larger object. And I have written a book on work I did in the 80s, 83, for the military called Yogatronics where you can create your own wormhole with resonant cavity oscillators by envisioning in your mind's eye certain geometries. And you can actually not need CERN to go to Mars. That's so fascinating. Hmm. They're, they're not, I, I know they're not saying everything that they're doing with that or those experimentations, but... Oh, uh, they're trying to move a larger object, you know, like... You know, the, the debate I, forever, it was always uh, militaries were 50, 60 years ahead. And now I've been hearing numbers when I do interviews. So I do interviews, but I also host. And so people are now, you know, the vernacular seems to be, oh, you know, militaries are 100 years ahead. And I don't, I mean, what's your, and I'm like, um, I think we're making up numbers now, right? I mean, what, I mean. They're ahead, but it's more about just whether or not they want to give up the did you, uh, did you right? see this logo of mine? I don't know if you can see this. Let me a little, uh, little higher. Yeah. Little uh, there you go. That's it. In God we trust. Naval intelligence. What's the all other part of the logo? Oh, in in God we trust, all others we monitor. <laughs> <laughs> That's our logo. <laughs> just thought you'd like to know that. That's the truth of it too, man. Yeah, you know, I used to work, I was a system administrator for a software company, and we had an ex-NSA guy come, and this is back in like 98, 99, and he was like, look, the government's recording everything, they just don't know what to do with all of it, so ironically, they were recording everything, but, you know, they and, and we sat and listened to him, we were completely fascinated, and I mean, he could have been Snowden or whatever, but he just said, look, it's all being recorded. They just don't know what to do with it. They just stole so it. So I wrote, when I was in high school, I wrote a science fiction story that superseded Colossus, the Forbin Project, and they built a huge supercomputer that had the sum of all of man's knowledge, and then they asked it its first question. 42. Is there a God? Oh. <laughs> and the computer answered, there is now. <laughs> you know, I've always wondered, I, I've tried to, I've freaked out a few people with that. The idea that if enough people like the power of eight, the whole idea, if you concentrate on something long enough, then the, the very diabolical nature, it manifests itself. Well, so that's the thought. You have to be responsible for those. 
So here's the problem. How many people are out there thinking of HP Lovecraft, Call of Cthulhu, Squiggly? Uh, <laughs> ads? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and and the band, remember HP Lovecraft out of New York City? They were wonderful. Yeah, so what do we what do we do with the HP Lovecraft gods fighting the Greek gods, fighting the Roman gods, fighting the Christian gods, fighting you know, like we have a lot of weird tentacly things and a lot of big like chism. That's when you bring in Joan Jett. Oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have digressed to a level. Hey, listen, you've gotta have humor. I um uh, you know, I re- I've been there and done that. I'm that old. <laughs> yeah, no, that there's just a, once we're manifesting some of this stuff, you know, do we do we actually in time end up with an asteroid hitting the planet with Superman baby on board? Does well, it, or the Dark Knight, that's next with Gotham. Who knows? Well, <laughs> the shadow, the shadow knows. Yeah, <laughs> Comic book habit. I know we were going to hold you down for about an hour and a half. I mean, I, I, I feel guilty keeping you longer. Should we... Uh, Oh, it's all right. We can do another half hour. That'd be fine. And I'll eat some. Okay. Okay. So, well, then that's my next question. What What do you think of? uh, I I met Eric Von Danigan in person, and he. Well, I met him. I met him a couple times, but we were talking about this back before my book was out, and I and I had been doing a lot of research on the Black Knight satellite. Uh, However, he mentioned that there's at least six or eight other satellites that are ancient. In oh yeah, there's listen, the moon and Mars. On Mars there's that face. What is that from? You know, right. you well, where where did that come from? I'm wondering so I know and it gets brought up all the time about uh well like yeah, Mary Joyce's work on on you know that that I'm just How about wondering. Titan. We could talk about Titan. Yeah, what do you, what do you know about that? I know a lot about it. That's one of the things I studied. I, I, yeah. Space archaeology? Well, I'm not an archaeologist. I'm a physicist. So my approach is different. Titan has a Schumann's resonance of four. Okay. So what's ours? 8.3. You know, that's your heart rate. That's the space between your heart and your aortic arch and the, and the stoichic pressure that goes there when you go into theta state. Okay. So do you think the moon in itself is just artificial completely or just modified or? I have no idea. I have no idea. I can tell you that when I was at mission control in 1971 to do the ESP studies for NASA, the reason they had the precision of countdown five, four, is because just before launch, they had to punch a hole in the ionosphere to get that astronaut through there. There's no way he could have gone through there without that hole. And how did they punch the hole? They did it for a variety of different ways. The Challenger was an experiment using a uh, what we call a bubble, where they put. Um, that's my girlfriend calling me because I'm supposed to be finished with the interview. <laughs> I'll call her back. Let her know I'm still on. Gary will have to do some editing on that one, but this oh, is no, uh, it's all right. It makes it makes it more homey. I uh, yeah. I'm very blessed, by the way. She's in Utah right now, and it's due back Sunday, so I'm be glad when. Well, she's home. The, the the so on a the, from the moon standpoint to 
get there. So it is possible. There is something to this whole, we got to get through the ionosphere. You there can't, is, yeah, you can't just do it. You could not go to Mars. By the time you got to Mars, you'd be dead from radiation. We don't have any shielding. That's why they're doing CERN and those kinds of things. There's no way we're going to be able to send a rocket ship to Mars and get it there with anything living. There's too many gamma rays, neutrinos, whatever. The whole thing is a garbage, and we have no shielding on that yet. We have no way to shield for that. No, not yet. That's so interesting. I mean, the 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 interesting material science is where we might advance to. Then, well, uh, that's one of the directions they're looking at. Of course, you know they that you know they're they're using. There is a, a study that I saw dealing with. Well, I better not talk about. It. There's some studies that are being done where you bend the magnetic fields on a material, uh, but. I don't know where we are on that yet. Okay. Well, yeah, and and, and it, we want to keep having you on, so we don't want you to say anything you're not supposed to say yet. <laughs> oh, I <already> probably have. <laughs> yeah. I'm um, not a big deal. I, you know, I'm just old. I'm not under any uh, non-disclosure things at this time, but there's a group of individuals that are worried about me remembering some of the work I did. Okay, so they they don't want you to like reveal any trade secrets, basically, right now. Well, there's a lot of them out there. You know, I had Carnegie Mellon go through my thing when I was talking about the trigger mechanism for the Building Seven. Building Seven was a neutron fullerene fusion bomb. I have the patent in my new book on the non-local mind. I show you how they did it with a teleportation laser. While everything else was happening. They deployed a weapon as a beta test there, and that weapon is now being used everywhere. So Russia. do you think it's a, at, well, at the level of these uh, advancements, is it really country by country, or is there just a world organization running all of it, and it really is an adversarial as, as we feel? Well, like? there's fields within fields. There's, you know, I don't know. I know right. there are certain names that I have grown up enough that I don't mention anymore, just so that I don't get on a list. Okay. But that's what I do. I try to stay as Mr. Science and gee, Johnny, it works this way. That's well, best. That's what I do best. Well, let's jump back to whether it's Mars or whether it's the moon. Is there any, like the Black Knight satellite, is there any un unused or uh, abandoned ancient uh, technologies that are in uh, satellites, like whether it's Black Knight or, or whether it's a base. I mean, what do you think is the most credible evidence out there for people to even look at? As far as uh, it's not that there's not. Start with the face on Mars. That's a good place. Or Antarctica. Antarctica has a cavern. I've been inside it. That is over a mile high. It's like a huge cavern. Has weather. Can we get to it? We're already, I was there in the 70s. Okay. So is it something that's been blocked off or it's being worked on or can we plan? I don't know what the status is now because that was one thing I did. I was working for an anthropologist. She brought me in as the physicist. She wanted to know how the light worked. It was bioluminescent. There was a bacteria that was on the walls that created the light so that it was like daylight. There so are the entire Earth, here on the West Coast, 
from um, Gold Beach all the way down into the Trinity is just one solid caverns of caverns inter interface military. In the Midwest, I remember uh, uh, Dennis Kucinich brought me out to fine-tune eight bunkers that he had, one in Wichita. Arlo Guthrie, his daughter and his granddaughter came out and sang to us. It was very cool. Um, the East Coast, you can go from Maine all the way down to Florida without ever coming above ground. Are these natural or rock cut? Yes, I, all of yeah. the above. So it's all of it. So it's yeah, been yeah. connected. There's there's a there's a grinder that they built up in Seattle that um, creates caverns now. It just grinds them through. So, but how many of them do you know of any that are ancient, or is it just that they? Oh, well, Uzbekistan. I mean, you go to uh, there's a there's a group of caverns that go from Scotland all the way down into Turkey. Yeah, that I've heard. Uh, what? There, I mean, uh, there are everywhere. The, is that your so-called inner earth? Yes and no. Uh, when I was in Antarctica, I saw the Nazi base. There were 19 slips. had been destroyed by something. Further down was a Viking base from the 14th century. Where's that in the history books? And further down right. was this hole that went 100 miles straight down into the metal. And like we did not have the technology to go down and explore that in the 70s. That's what I heard. They they went down recently, and that's when they abandoned. You know, the astronauts uh, and so on went down to see something. I'm guessing what they did is they found probably I don't know um, nephilim and stasis, and then they woke up, and that's when they isolated the island or antarctica you know abandoned it did you say there was a viking was it a coastal installation it was a, it was a port where they had ships so the viking it, it was just abandoned and frozen yeah it was destroyed the one that was the the nazi base looked like it had been hit by some serious weapons well like I, I i know the well so there's the the there 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 was bases that go back to the 40s that were used by German scientists. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, and the, that's where the Foo Fighters and all the rest of it with Admiral Byrd. But <clears throat> what I saw, I was a physicist that was working mostly on how the light worked in there. And that was my job, was to determine how that worked. And it was a bacteria. But that cavern, that one cavern was over a mile high. That's you, huge. Richard, is it possible? I mean, is it, you won't get in trouble. I mean, can we... Can we know where it is on the map? The X marks. Well, you're going through. Uh, we we came around um, uh, Brazil, went into Thule Island, and then took a sub from Thule Island straight in. Oh, so it's it's underwater. Yeah. Uh huh. That well, the entrance that we went in is underwater. There may be other entrances. I don't know about that. The, the thing is huge. What the about the water? Too. That's amazing. I mean, believe me, I want to. I'm curious about it. But the uh, I, what I'm what I'm also curious about is, could you point out where that Viking base is? Um, there was a Nazi base. It was probably about 17 miles further down. But it's, it's is anyone miles. excavating it, or is, no one's excavating it? I don't know what they're doing with it now. I don't know what I what we were doing it. 
Uh, they were doing their things in study on the Nazi base and some of the other things. My part of the study was to try to figure out how the light worked. And so I had laboratory equipment that was looking at bioluminescence. That's what I was doing. Were there any, I know people are probably screaming at me listening to this, if they're listening, <laughs> which they should be. Um, I have not asked yet, were there artificial man-made uh, or highly ancient structures within that cave? I didn't see anything ancient other than that Viking base and that artifact further down that hole. I don't know how that hole was built. And that went 100 miles straight down. Now, according to my physics, at that depth, it should be plastic. You know, it should right. be, it, you know, molten. How did it re retain its form? It's, it's, you know, the round. I don't know how, I don't know how they did that. That's so fascinating. The, um, the I don't know how they did that. And, and I, you know, I've seen lots of things like that, some of which were not human, obviously, and some of which were from previous epochs or technologies that we don't have. I've been to Tibet, for example, and one of the things I did is that the Tibetan Buddhists have these big, long horns that uh, they blow. They're like similar to the helps. They're big. And when they put 17 of them in a certain geometry right. and blow them, it so compressed the air that large objects would float. We're talking about massive stones floating on air that you can push with a single finger. I've seen that technology. That's that's super fascinating. That I, I again, Gary, we can, <laughs> we can do this for like three more hours. And Richard, will oh, I don't, I don't know it. Um, horns in certain bandwidths <laughs> and geometries can amplify on themselves and compress the air to the point where it'll lift objects, but. You know, there's yeah, that, okay. that always seems to be followed by when I've seen stories on this, it, it's always followed by the guy that wouldn't share the technology of how he could boil water instantly. Did you ever see those videos? No, but I, uh, I get where you're going with that. Yeah, I've seen, yeah. I've seen so many things like that, that I have absolutely no explanation. Right. Yeah. And I don't know where to go with it, you know, other than it's well, curious and to keep my mind open and then... Right. The part is, what variable do you isolate to? Because well, it I, I think, Richard, if they haven't buried, like, for instance, low-hanging fruit, but although it's complex and it will require sponsors, I would like to go back to South, uh, to, to Antarctica. It would be nice to go back to Antarctica, at least to that Viking area, if they haven't destroyed it or hidden it. I, I don't know how you would speculate on it, but if you know where it is... Um, well, you, you know, go in directly straight into Antarctica from Thule Island. That's what we did. It was a straight line in. There's there's some caves that you go into, and and uh, it was. Well, that was underwater, but I was wondering where the Viking stuff was. Oh, I don't was, know that. Was, I don't know how they got in there. <clears throat> I don't know how the, the 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 Nazi subs got in. I don't know how that worked either. Oh wait, so the Vikings. Uh, the Vikings, all that was less under... than thirty miles. It was less than thirty miles away. Wait, it was on the surface, or if it was the the Vikings? Stuff... It's underwater. Oh, all of it's underwater. Yeah, yeah. Oh, got it. 
All right, I thought that the I thought no, the no, was no, like, no, and the Viking base had ships, but they, everything was destroyed. You know, it was old and and in ruin, but. But it was an old, from 14th century, and I have never seen anything like that in history books. So it was um, underwater, and uh, you were passing it in the sub, or it was in the We cave. went into a sub, came up on surface, were underwater, in a cave, in Antarctica, that is mile-high ceilings. Wow. So, and there was a Viking... Um, that was near in part of that complex. Yeah, in, in, within within the cave system. Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay, that's very clear now. Okay, got it. I thought there was just an abandoned Viking base. No, 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 no. It was part of the underground bases, <laughs> but I don't know how they work. We need a submarine. Well, what well, was that, Gary? We're gonna need a submarine. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if we have the garage door opener to that gate. <laughs> Now we're getting past the security. <laughs> well, you know, obviously with all that going on, I mean, would there be another reason that Buzz Aldrin and Obama and, and Kerry and all those... Well, that's what I was trying to tell you. I think they had technology that went down that hole. And they found something. Well, they found something so significant that all those people, including the... I know the premise for it, but the Greek Orthodox, I mean, basically the Pope of the Greek Orthodox, he goes there to bless a church, but I find it odd that him and Buzz and uh, all those famous people went there within a month. It makes no sense. Well, there, I think they discovered something in stasis. Yeah. And then it woke up. And that's when well, they quarantined. Well, it's always fascinating me, like at the Osirian. I don't, I don't know. I mean, do you, do you, what, what do you think of these... Uh, like the Osirion in Egypt and these large boxes, they keep calling them sarcophaguses, but you know, they're, they're million billions of an inch flat. They're machined perfectly. Yeah. And they had technologies that we don't have. Yeah. It just seems like it's pretty apparent that it'd be easy. I mean, we're the shoreline. We also that. have technologies. They didn't. Right. So it's an interesting blurred lines where we look at something and go, well, that's either alien or or that's ancient. The question is, which is it or is it both? Is it is it continued uh, ancient survivors of ancient cataclysm? Well, like Cleopatra going down the Colorado looking for copper. Yeah. So of the of what you saw in the Grand Canyon, I mean, I mean, since we're jumping from Antarctica, I saw a skull that was oh maybe three and a half feet wide that was discovered in Pennsylvania in 1820. That's now, an odd size skull. <laughs> okay. They discovered a large skull in 1820. It made the papers. It got sent to the Smithsonian and then it got disappeared. What happened? My right. conjecture when they interviewed me on that was that at the time the Smithsonian was run by two brothers that were, the sons of that Methodist minister that had lost his flock to uh, 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 that Mormon, uh, what's his name, um, um, uh, formed the Mormon church. And I think they Brigham dumped Young? Uh, no, uh, no, oh, John. Joseph Smith? Joseph Smith, yeah. No. And Joseph Smith, that met Methodist minister dogged hit, hit Joseph Smith for years trying to get his flock back. 
And I think his two sons probably dumped that skull in the Atlantic Ocean trying to vet their father on a religion that was formed on a close encounter. I don't know. But it, that would make sense to me. No, but that's... And, well, it does make know, sense. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, these are the kinds of things that happen in history and are then lost. It's it's mind blowing because it's not a agendas. Yeah, it's not a story that's comfortable for most people. And along with the Antarctica thing. Well, Antarctica is real. I've been there. That, that that part is absolutely real. I've been there. I've seen it. And uh, I saw it as a scientist. I've seen artifacts that depicted technologies we don't have. I don't know whether they came from previous technologies, previous epochs or, or from alien. I don't know. I, I don't know that part. What I do know is I've seen things that aren't human or from our this epoch form of human. The, the, well, the, well, this is... The, that cave do you think it did it appear natural or did it appear that it was rock cut oh it was uh i, I don't think it would i can't imagine anything making that right and like a right. volcano you know how it has lava tubes and yep. interconnecting things I, I i think it was natural but i don't know the bottom okay. line is i'm left with more questions than i have answers do you know of anyone that is still working on that project, or could we talk to maybe the person you worked with, the anthropologist? I haven't done that in thirty-five, almost forty years. That was forty years ago for May. So you know, I did all my paranormal stuff back in the seventies. In the eighties, I went into agriculture, and then in the nineties, I went into magic, and now in the twenties, I'm back into sustainable lifeboats and survival. It would be so, I, and, and all of it is like a lifetime of uh, work. It's all interesting. I'm wondering if anyone from that project you could uh, reconnect. I've got with. a few old friends I'll try to get back in touch with. I know the anthropologist is still alive. So she, well, she's that would be just that brilliant. project. Yeah. Huh, Gary? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know a bunch of different people. I know a lot of individuals that were involved. But you remember, most of my work was in the 70s. And now, what are we? I'm just an old man now, you know, going a lot further. But still, time. it's uh, an observational. Uh, one of the things that I like to do for people is go over uh, shared memory, uh, genetic memories, uh, collective consciousness. I mean, the reality is that, you know, whenever our work is or was, it is something that uh, I always like to bait at least the audience with the fact that this conversation the brain entrainment that comes with it. And like you said, those altered states and realities where uh, just them listening might trigger a thought or an idea. Or... Well, that's what imagination is about. That's what oh. it's so wonderfully fascinating about it. Yeah. The idea. Absolutely. I, I mean, this has been brilliant. And uh, I still <laughs> need to get info from you and talk to you offline, at least for a minute. So I think we should... Uh, tell everyone we should have you back sometime when you're free. And Thank you. I've got the non-local mind is coming out next week. I'm going to be going to press with it next week. So oh, we need to talk. We Are just you going to have it on your website? Yeah, I'll have it on my website. I'll, yeah, I'll announce right. everything on my okay, website. So I'll, put a, I'll put a link to the website 
in the notes yeah. so people can yeah. find it. My book section, yeah, I'll have a banner and all of that. Well, or also, like, email me when it comes out, too, and I'll put it up on I my promise. Facebook yeah, and everything. Yeah. For yeah. You. We should just do, yeah, we should just talk about the book, you know, for the, or at least, you know, the. I've got to probably should go get some dinner now. And yeah, yeah. So let's let's wrap this one up and let's do another episode about the book later. Roger, Roger. Well, I'm free in the next couple of weeks. Give me a holler when you want me back. It'd be my pleasure. Awesome. Well, yeah. I definitely would love to talk to you again, Richard, offline. So I'll let Gary do his closeout. Yeah, you have my phone number. Gary has my yep. phone number, and you're welcome to give it to him. That'd be fine. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Right. Well, thanks. So we're well, good. Yeah, thank you. Thank you as always. You're a genius. Love you. <laughs> no, I'm just an old man now. <laughs> no, really. Just... You, you're, you're, you're still a wealth of knowledge to inspire people like me and Jer Jared to yeah. go out and look for the truth or oh, what might oh, be the truth. I'm, I'm working out the mechanics of so many ideas, but it's stuff you've already worked on, Richard, so I can't wait to talk to you again. My pleasure. You take care, guys. Nice to you. You too. Thanks. Yep. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. Um, Thank well, you for listening to Everything what, what Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you love what you listen to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.